Welcome to VoiceOver Experts, brought to you by Voices.com, the number one voiceover marketplace. VoiceOver Experts brings you tips, pearls of wisdom, and techniques from top instructors, authors, and performers in the field of voiceover. Join us each week to discover tricks of the trade that will help you to develop your craft and prosper as a career voiceover talent. It's never been easier to learn, perform and succeed from the privacy of your own home and at your own pace. This is truly an education you won't find anywhere else. Now for our special guest. Okay, so you want to become a voiceover artist, where do you start? Uh, there are many answers as to where you can start. I think the most important thing you can do is to focus on how the industry actually works as opposed to how you imagine that the industry works. In my opinion, there are more lies told about voiceover than sex and fishing put together. And one of the problems is that people will say to you, I wouldn't do that, I wouldn't do this, you ought to do that, you ought to do this. And quite honestly, most of it's bollocks. Also, I have to say that everything that I say is bollocks because it is the nature of life that whatever you say is either a truth or has a parallel existence as absolute rubbish. And there are people who will listen to what I have to say and absolutely disagree because for them life was different. They just happened to get a different ticket in the lottery and suddenly they're a voiceover artist without any rhyme nor reason or more dreadfully without any ability to do the job but they just have this magic wand waved over them that, you know, the good fairy has said you will be a voiceover artist and you will earn a fortune. For the rest of us, I think life is slightly different and the important thing is, is as I have said, but I say it again, is to focus on the realities of the industry and also the realities of what you, as a potential voiceover artist, have to offer. Now, as a voiceover employer, on behalf of other organisations and also myself from time to time, I notice that I get approached by people looking for work who present themselves to me inevitably as a problem looking for a solution. The kind of thing I'm talking about is I get a um, inevitably a letter in a horrible brown envelope, often badly written, badly spelled and certainly badly presented, which says things like, Mr Shaw, um, I'm an actor and I left college four years ago and I can sing and I can dance and I can do classical and I can do modern and I can do 47 different accents, speak five languages and a range of silly voices that impress my grandmother. But I haven't worked for six months. I'll do anything you want. Give us a job which doesn't impress me or any other employer in the industry. The, the person concerned is clearly desperate, but not desperate enough to actually sit down and look at how things really work. Um, they are presenting themselves to me and other employers as a problem looking for a solution. The people that interest us, all employers, are those who present themselves as a solution looking for a problem. In that, the person that I'm interested in, or anybody else is interested in, is the voiceover artist who has done, or potential voiceover artist, who has A, researched quite carefully what they have to offer. And one of the guaranteed ways of not finding employment is to offer yourself as versatile. It's a fact of life that very few people cast versatile. You know, if you think of two so-called creative directors in an advertising agency having got pissed at lunchtime, um, you know, it's five o'clock in the afternoon, it's just about time to go out and get pissed again. And they suddenly remember they have to cast this commercial for tomorrow. The last thing they say to each other is what we need is a versatile voice. 
They know exactly what they want. And the cliche I use is they, they need a 21-year-old female, geordie, educated, husky voice with a sense of fun. And so the guy who sent out a CD with 40 minutes worth of material demonstrating 67 different voices and who has found himself filed under V for versatile doesn't get a look in because they'll go and look under J for Geordie uh, because they don't know any better. So the trick is, is to research exactly what it is that you have to offer and equally research exactly what it is that all employers are looking for. Um, and all employers are not looking for the same thing. The internet is a wonderful tool, uh, and it's quite possible to put people's names, company names, even phone numbers into Google, and you'll find a wealth of information of uh, the areas in which different companies are operating. And if you've researched what they are doing, what you have to offer, you can then put the two things together and present yourself as a potential solution to somebody else's problem. I.e., you approach Saatchi and Saatchi, the advertising agency, with three or four commercial voiceovers and not with your Shakespeare or your poetry. But actors are always making the mistake of thinking, well, I'll send them a chocolate commercial, but I'll, I'll put my Shakespeare on the end as well so that they know I'm a real actor. They really couldn't give a toss whether you can act or not. One of the, the, the reasons there is that acting is about truth and commercials are about lying. So when you've spent years and years being able to tell the truth through Shakespeare, who cares? They want you to lie about a, a flake bar or whatever. Uh, so you can do yourself a disservice by mixing um, the various areas of work in terms of sending out demos, although we never use the word demos, sending out tapes that cover too wide an area. One of the things that I, I tell people at the Actors Centre and, and in similar places is the CD that you send out, because mostly nowadays it is a CD rather than a cassette, is of paramount importance right from the moment it arrives on somebody else's desk in that somebody sends me something in a scruffy brown envelope, it doesn't make an impression. If it's in a, a white envelope, preferably a padded envelope, with a nicely printed label saying who it's from, what it is they have to offer, that's interesting because I know the person has a, a grasp of how the business works. Uh, when I open it, I would expect to see a beautifully packaged CD that looked as if it had come from HMV or certainly been bought in a shop, not a blank white label with a phone number written on it in Biro. And I would also expect the packaging to tell me something about the person. I'd expect to photograph some details of the kind of work that they've undertaken or the kind of fields in which they do work, um, both in theatre, interestingly, and television and film, as well as voiceover. And I'd expect to photograph, interestingly, although this is about voice, it is interesting to know what people look like. One area which is slightly difficult for people is it, often a question, the race question comes into play. You may not be able to tell from a voice nowadays what their particular ethnic origin is, but you may want to cast somebody for admirable reasons. Um, you may want to cast 
a black man to be a black man rather than a, a white man to be a black man. So although the voices may be indistinguishable, it, it's useful having a photograph so that you can judge the, uh, apart from anything else, the, the racial origin, but also the age, the sort of look of the person. It, you know, it can get you a job. Also, given that some of the things you're going to be doing is dealing with advertising agencies, it can often get you cast in a commercial beyond just wanting the voice side of your work. Then where I was going was what is on the CD, which is the question that everybody asks. And my answer is always as little as possible, which always causes shock horror reactions. Nowadays with a CD player, when you put a CD into the tray, the first thing the machine tells you is how much material there's on there. And if you put one into a CD which says 45 minutes, you know, one kind of groans... (laughs) and thinks I'll do something else instead. If you put one on that says 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 40 seconds a minute, you're fairly confident that you're dealing with somebody who knows what they're doing, knows how the industry works. And and that is an example of the kind of focus that people need. Um, There's two examples there. You need to understand that people package things absolutely fantastically, and if you don't, you will look stupid or certainly look inferior. You need to understand that people sending stuff out have the ability to pick and choose what goes onto a CD. If you've had a a session in a demo studio or or whatever, making recordings for this purpose, you do not need to send everything out to everybody. And so you need to have the ability to pick and choose what goes on the CD, which means you need to be able to make your own CDs rather than relying on a a duplicating company to do them. The person that that, um, that I come across all the time who makes 100 copies of a CD and starts posting them out will get no work other than statistically the chance that you buy a £1 lottery ticket, it might possibly win. But it, it, it won't. they probably won't get your work because you are not taking the business seriously enough. You're not researching how it works. You're not taking yourself seriously enough. It, it might sound harsh, but I, I think very often that people who are doing that are actually determined to be failures and that they're, they're, all their effort is concentrated on confirming their opinion and their position as a failure, whatever that is. I only mean professionally. You know, it might be a bit dangerous if you got a job. You'd have to do it. (laughs) There is another danger, of course, nowadays with making CDs in order to, to get work, is that you can end up making a CD that will definitely get you a job that you can't do. Editing techniques nowadays are such that if somebody's working with me in the studio, I I can make a a silk purse out of a sow's ear. Given enough time and trouble, you really can make people sound absolutely fantastic. But faced with the realities of work, where you are in a studio with 14 people staring at you through a glass window, all of whom have opinions and all of whom feel obliged to express the opinions because otherwise why are they there? You stand no chance under that kind of pressure if you're you're not very competent and very cool. Which is why uh, it's best to try and get into the industry by being yourself rather than displaying a range of regional accents. Because whilst you might have a perfect Glaswegian in the privacy of your own bedroom, the moment you get into the, the pressured situation of working with clients and their friends and their mothers and their sisters and their cousins and their aunts looking on, you'll find that your regional accents, unless they're genuine, will absolutely disappear out the window. So... 
if you think of voiceover as being a door that you're standing on one side of and the Elysian fields of voiceover, large sums of money and the need never to get out of bed before 10 o'clock in the morning are on the other side, the only way that you can pass through that door is with a key and for each individual person there is an individual key. It's different for absolutely everybody. But the key is your natural voice. Once you've got through the door got some work, made some contacts, made some friends, got something of a reputation, you can then start experimenting with your Scottish accent or your Geordie accent or whatever. And if it's discovered that you're actually no good at doing this, it won't detract from the work that you are already being employed to do. Everybody will have a good laugh and say, OK, we'll get somebody who can do it. But if that's the ticket you've tried to get your first jobs on, is the fact that you can do good regional accents, uh, it's almost guaranteed that you, you won't be able to under the pressure of, of a studio situation until such time as you're quite experienced. I work with a lot of Scottish people and they are always of the opinion that they can speak perfect English and you know just for a joke I tell them don't bother you won't be able to and most of them can't they hear what they do as RP English RP but the reality is it's Scottish RP and, and I, I make the example you know would you like to evaluate my Glaswegian accent I'll just do it for you now at great length and you know they are always um, horror struck at how awful it is quite rightly because it is awful Thank you for joining us To learn more about the special guest featured in this Voices.com podcast visit the VoiceOver Experts show notes at podcasts.voices.com slash voiceoverexperts Remember to stay subscribed if you're a first-time listener, you can subscribe for free to this podcast in the Apple iTunes podcast directory or by visiting podcasts.voices.com. To start your voiceover career online, go to voices.com and register for a voice talent membership today.